Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and get your game face on because we are talking deadly games in horror fiction with return guest, Jocelyn Codner. <laughs> oh, I did too. I have been looking forward to this one for so long, so I'm glad we are finally here recording it. So what do we like about uh, Mm. games in stories? Mm -hmm. Well, I like, I was thinking about this and at first I wasn't really, you know, I couldn't figure out why. I was just like, oh, I just like it. But I think what having a game in a story offers us, whether it's in a movie or a book, it offers a framework. It kind Mm -hmm. of packages the narrative, the plot there for you. You know, you're following the rules of the game. You're progressing through the game. So it gives us kind of a tidy, um, I don't know, journey to go on. We kind of like know where we're headed and sometimes we'll get some fun twists and turns. But for the most part, I feel like books and films that fall within like the deadly game concept are in my mind a little um, popcorny. I I, don't, I know that's not the case for all of them, but most of what we're going to talk about today, I think, feels kind of popcorny. Oh, I mean everything you said. I like that too. There definitely is a a range. There's definitely like the room temperature to freezer of a deadly game <laughs> movies. We will definitely get into that in a little bit um i think also the nostalgia factor and i think especially in a horror framework i like players struggling i guess with this like illusion of control because i feel like for the first part of it it's like but if we just follow the game then it's going to be okay for you know some of us all of us one of us depending on what the game is and i feel like there's always the time where it's like no we're going to try to like go after whoever's behind all this we all and like getting people on the same page and stuff so that's like an aspect of those stories I'm always like very interested in and like what is their relationship to this game and like how do they feel about participating in it Mm, yeah well I really like what you said about nostalgia because yes some of the things we're going to talk about today have nothing to do with any of our childhoods hopefully hopefully um but a lot of them do. A lot of them are built on childhood games or um, childhood situations. And I always love that. I, like most people, really enjoy a heavy dose of nostalgia in my horror. It's just fun. Um, But I really liked what you said about that idea of if we just follow the rules, if we just follow the rules, we'll get out of this. And I'm very much you know, that kind of person. I think that way to an extent. I'm not, you know, a very rigid rule follower, but I feel I have a very strong sense of justice. So I feel that um, things should be equal for everyone. People should be judged on in the same way. And so if we follow the rules, maybe, you know, we've earned our right to get out of this. But a lot of the times in these stories, you get to the point where you realize that doesn't matter. The rules are fake. They're all made up, and no matter what you do, you're just kind of screwed. Oh, yeah, like staying true to the game and then realizing that it meant nothing, and you should have just You should have just gone for it, yeah. (laughs) So I always wonder, you know, like, if I were in that situation, 
and I don't know, whatever situation, any one of these situations that we're going to talk about, would I try to follow the rules or would I go against that gut instinct of mine and try to just break out? And you can see in all of these stories that we'll talk about, people try either approach to mixed results. You know, it it obviously depends on (laughs) the story. But uh, yeah, I just, I don't know what I would do. I don't know if I, you know, if I was abducted, I woke up in some hell scenario. I'm not going to be so cocky to say that I would survive. And I also am not going to be so cocky to say that I would come up with like a genius plan to get out. Like it's very likely that I would probably just try to follow the rules like a good girl and then get destroyed. <laughs> so yeah, That's probably where I'm at. Mm-hmm. If I'm waking up in a cube and someone wants me to do math. <laughs> I would just sit down and be like, I'll die now. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) I was more of an English girly guys. Sorry. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's interesting, though. I feel like we're kind of like moving forward here. But um, when it comes to games that I'm good at, I am actually a little better at math games or like puzzles and patterns than I am with word games. Like I can't play Scrabble. I'm a horrible speller. I can't do anything that has to do with like puns or just word association. Like I'm, I'm pretty bad at that, like on the, on the fly. But when it comes to like card games or math games or puzzles or patterns or memory, that's better for me. Oh, I am the total opposite. Like (laughs) I am good at anagrams. I am good Mm. at Scrabble. Okay, I'm good at Scrabble, like finding things, but strategically, I don't think oh, I'm yeah. that good at Scrabble. I'm not a defensive Scrabble player. So, mm-hmm. like, people always beat me because they're like, no, I just thought three steps ahead of you. <laughs> but I was like, I'm really proud of myself for putting this right? word in. <laughs> but yeah, like, there was, like, I grew up watching Survivor with mm-hmm. my parents. And yes. I mean, I would always compare myself to these people that are on this island, like that haven't eaten, that yeah. are in a completely different situation than yeah. like me on my couch being like, I could do that. Right. <laughs> like shoving Doritos in your mouth. You're like, totally, I could do that. <laughs> what an idiot. How have they not figured this out yet? They don't They're even like know delirious. how to make fire. Yeah. <laughs> my, We definitely did that too. Me and my siblings, we totally were like, we would, we would be great in a survival situation. And you know what? We still act like that. Like me and my sister in particular are like, please, we could totally survive out in the wilderness. We know probably just like a tiny little bit of survival skills, but we are very confident that we would be more than fine. <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. No, the, the reality is we'd be extremely <laughs> dead, <laughs> but I don't know. You fake it till you make it, I guess. We have the confidence to get you through yeah. maybe a little bit. Yeah, just a little. We would we would live a couple days, I'd say. It's, I think at the beginning, the confidence goes a long way. It does. Yeah, yeah. It motivates you. One thing about Survivor, though, that I always thought was really interesting is my dad, um, you know, was a military guy. And so I think he would always root for like, you know, the people that are coming in with a lot of like leadership experience, Mm. like ex-military guys, Mm -hmm. guys that you would think do well. And I think he would always get frustrated Ah. when they would get outwit by squirrely, conniving (laughs) people that come out of nowhere. And I'm like, that's how you play the game. It's outwit, I'll play out last, baby. Ooh, ooh, yes. (laughs) And that's the thing, too, is like... Your dad would be, he's very much in his own rule book, right? And he yes. recognizes people that learned from the same book. What is a sure thing to throw those folks off is someone who never had a rule book to begin with. So the real psychos, the people that are like 
a curse to their friend group who are always causing all of this like chaos and drama, those are the people who are going to win Survivor because they're always looking for different angles and they're very creative at causing destruction. So they're the ones to worry about. Yeah, that's who you, yeah, you got to worry about the the squirrely people that are like making alliances, knowing who to backstab, that have a plan, that know people and know how to play people. Yes. Mm -hmm. I knew a lot of those people in college. I hope they all do Survivor. (laughs) I hope they go on Survivor and show their I thought you were like, I hope they're doing awful, by the way. (laughs) I wish nothing but the worst. You know, I hate to tell you, but most of them are doing extremely well. They usually do. They usually do. (laughs) Yeah. They're very, very successful. (laughs) The person I'm thinking of, same. But I was also, yeah, thinking about these stories and the way that they're laid out and the differences between them. And I wanted to talk about that. Like we have, first of all, I think the difference in motivation and whether Mm -hmm. characters are placed in a situation against their will or the very Mm -hmm. few cases where people choose to participate. Yes. Whether knowing full will or knowing maybe half of the information. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Before they get into the game. So I think that's interesting and then in those stories looking at why would someone choose to get into this game is it like this is my one chance to get out of this town is it like Mm -hmm. i have a loved one who's sick and dying and this is my one chance to get this money yeah it is really interesting because it does seem in those situations um it's extreme right they this is their last opportunity and it usually, from from what I have seen in our extensive review of the literature that we've done, <laughs> is that, yeah, it's mostly like monetarily motivated or grief or um, desperation of some kind. People need to escape. People need redemption. People need to save somebody. And our system in this country is ruthless. Our healthcare capitalism can be quite ruthless and people can be trapped in poverty people can be trapped in cycles that um, continually tear them down and we see a lot of this magical thinking in our society Um, you see it mostly like with the lotto people buying lotto tickets and being like I'm gonna win all of this money and then my life is going to completely change and I'll be free I'll be free of the everyday pain that it is to live in whatever maybe their situation is. Um, And that very rarely happens for folks. But it is an interesting idea to think like, what if someone approached you and said, there's a game that you can, there's something you can participate in. And if you do, you get X amount of money or you get X thing guaranteed to you. But here's the catch. It's if you lose, you die. And I could see a lot of people jumping to do that because not only is that that opportunity for them to in a sense become free of of the cage that they're living in it also offers this interesting sense of control where it's Mm -hmm. like it's a game you're playing it's not just chance it's not just buying a lotto ticket you are participating in a more active way for the most so you maybe in their head they're like oh, I believe in myself. I believe that I can do this, you know, and I'm going to, I can control it and I'm going to jump in and I'm going to win the money. I'm going to win the thing that saves me, saves my family, et cetera. But like we just said, not, you know, that that's an illusion. Like the control is not always what you think it is when you enter these situations. 
Absolutely not. So yeah, I was going to say like, in a lot of these cases, it's not like they're really is a choice if this is your only choice to get you mm-hmm. out of a bad situation. Yeah. yeah. And also with these people that have this carrot dangling in front of them, that's also going to keep them more loyal to the rules and less likely to want to buck the system when things start getting crazy. And maybe for some characters be like, well, that's one less person. <laughs> like it's dark, but I mean, that's one less person that's going after this, you know, whatever thousands of dollars or you know Mm -hmm. whatever oh my god what a perfect comparison to the system that we live in every day you know when the the crabs in a bucket situation and people think if they just follow the rules of our society then they'll be rewarded but the truth is well the truth for i think the truth is that if we buck the system we all gain freedom for all of us. We gain collective liberation. But it, yeah, wow. I'm really enjoying this idea of like these these games are just like a little microcosm of societies. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're a very interesting lens. For absolutely. Sure. Well, I was just going to add. You can add so much more into it. You know, you've got that initial foundation of the critique of society, whatever society we're looking at, and then you can add a bunch of extra details that make it richer. Absolutely. I was going to say the other side of that is the, uh oh, I woke up in this scenario and I have no idea where I am. (laughs) What is going on? (laughs) To me, the more terrifying, but maybe the easier since thinking about what you just said about being uh, more controlled by the illusion that you could win. In this scenario, that doesn't exist. Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. So yeah, I was thinking of like the different ways those stories look. Um, the number one I was looking at was the like government mandate, like control, like Battle Royale, Hunger Games. Ooh, yeah. Or even, Cube. yes, Um, we didn't even really talk about this, but um, The Purge, a oh, little yeah. bit, a little bit. It's It's not quite like a structured game, but it is like a government sanctioned uh, playtime, if you will, which is just, you know, hacking people up or doing crap. And also thinking about like that concept of the government mandate, that is a critique of a different kind of social structure too, right? Like that's more of a critique. Whereas something like participating in a game for life-changing amounts of money or life-changing amounts of resources, in my mind, is a critique of capitalism. This model of being just randomly plucked, or maybe not so randomly, but to you, you are just plucked from your life and plopped into a situation where you are given no choice as to how you participate or what you're participating in, and it is like a government mandate, that feels more of a critique of like communism in different communist countries, you know, thinking mostly of the Soviet Union. And I find that really interesting too. So you can really like take this story structure and play with it to talk about all manner of things. Absolutely. It is such a flexible topic. Yes. I have not even gotten to like the other one. No. (laughs) Uh, The other one I have, well, another one I have listed on here, and I don't know if I want to give the pop culture things because then that's kind of a spoiler, Mm -hmm. but um, is the, you're a sacrifice to prevent something bad from happening. And that Mm. is this game. Yeah. And, you know, that one is interesting and fun because why do the powers that be why does the thing that you're being sacrificed to prevent why does that require a game human sacrifice is not 
um, unheard of in human cultures. It has it happened for centuries. It was happening not that long ago in certain cultures. It is a thing that folks do in their society, and they legitimately think that it, you know, brings them fortune, good fortune, or it staves off um, disaster and retribution from the gods. But why the game? Depends what the <laughs> gods demand. I guess they won't be entertained. Yeah. Well, that brings me to my next, mm. my next one. Uh, you are entertainment for, in most cases, an elite, like, uber wealthy class that is also like placing bets on winners Mm -hmm. and you are there for their entertainment yes and And there is a lot for this yes i was just gonna say this one is big this one's so prevalent we've got a lot in our list of things that fall Mm -hmm. under this category i like this one a lot um it's a it's a very simple message but it never gets old. (laughs) so i mean thinking about this too i would say the most dangerous game the short story falls into this category Mm -hmm. that is something where most of us are taught in school growing up at least in the u.s and first of all what a great pun in the title that i didn't even appreciate until i was an adult (laughs) i didn't even like realize game and game were like you know two different things (laughs) you're just an adult one day you're like that's clever (laughs) just drinking coffee Honest to God. I mean, when I say I'm not good at word games, I, I truly mean it. I'm not a pun gal. But um, but yeah, like that is it's a classic format. It as long as we have this inequity, it's going to always ring true to most of us anyway. Yeah, because Hunger Games also falls into that. Yes. Um, would you rather? I mean, there's so yeah. And I think that's interesting because, yeah, we kind of get back to the unfairness of capitalism, like forcing these people to fight for just like absolute necessities um but also in a lot of cases i see this a lot it's like oh the commentary on the ethics of like reality television and like watching people yeah like Um, you being a consumer for this type of content 100 percent um two things that have popped into my head are of course the gladiator games in ancient rome that's like Mm -hmm. a classic example of this where people would just go watch people murder each other in horrible ways or murder beautiful animals in horrible ways but then also with thinking about that um commentary on reality television have you read um beauty queens by libba Brown? i started it i did not finish it well i'm going to give a recommendation free rec for that um but specifically the audiobook the audiobook is extremely fun it's a big production it's got a lot of um interesting sounds and fun voices and stuff going on it it's a good time especially if you're driving somewhere it'll keep you entertained but that is definitely it kind of like falls into this a little bit i would think um but anyway i'm not going to get too far into that but (laughs) i recommend beauty queens by libba bray if you're interested and then one of the last ones I had on here was like punishment to bring some form of twisted justice slash earn your redemption. I had saw for this one, but I feel like mm-hmm. there's definitely got to be others. Saw Saw's the first one really and the main one that kind of pops into my head. And this is kind of like getting more into our movie list a little bit, but I would maybe hazard to slot Jumanji into this just a little bit okay. because he has to... First of all, love Jumanji. I thought it was funny to add it to this list, but I think it I think oh, it works. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> but he has to like save the kids so that they don't fall into the same um the same trap 
that he fell into when he was a kid. Um, that's not exactly the same thing as like a, a personal redemption, but he does have to stop thinking about his own survival and start thinking more broadly about the survival of other people that are in that situation. I love Jumanji. Oh, I know. It's such a good movie. And like, I was just thinking about it the other day before I was going to bed and I was, I was just getting all excited all over again, thinking about the opening of that movie in particular, when, you know, it's supposed to take place. I think the opening takes place in like the sixties and there's like a different color to the film in that section. And everyone's got their fun sixties clothes on, but it's like darker, like physically looks darker. And it is scary when he gets sucked into the board and the babysitter like freaks out. It's terrifying. I remember being so scared of that as a kid, like renting that from Blockbuster and just like, I don't remember how old I was, a little like eight-year-old me being at like the edge of my seat, like, oh my God, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And then when the hunter comes out, oh my God, absolutely terrifying. That dude haunted my dreams. And he's not scary looking. It's just the idea of being pursued. He actually looks hilarious. That mustache is absolutely riotous. But being hunted, like, you know, we've got a lot of being hunted as a game in this list Uh um it's terrifying it's the panic the flight or fight that's like in you it's a horrible feeling and you know as modern day humans we don't feel that too often anymore it used to be very important to our survival like thousands of years ago but when we feel it now it's a nightmare like nobody wants to feel that if you're feeling that that means you're in a very bad situation yeah Something that I was thinking of in terms of our um, list here of like kinds of deadly game stories, how people end up in this situation is that sometimes people can be tricked into a deadly game by like a demon or a trickster god. And like I'm thinking specifically about like the Truth or Dare movies or um, the Ouija movies. I did not know that that's what the Truth or Dare movies were about. Yeah. So also the Countdown app movie i have not heard of that what is the countdown app movie <laughs> well it's not called the countdown app movie <laughs> it's about an app called countdown that like okay has like you download it and it tells you when you're gonna die oh horrible it okay i will say it was not a great movie like okay. i'm not i'm not here like please go watch it on netflix right now i, I did watch know, it on I netflix might. yeah um <laughs> But yeah, like it was interesting, you know, it like starts out like this high school party and, you know, everyone's downloading that the app and like one girl's downloads it. You know, everyone's like, oh, 50 years, 10 years, 30 years. And one girl's is like three hours. Oh, my God. And then like, you know, her boyfriend's been drinking and he wants to drive her home and she's Mm. like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, I'm walking home. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) She didn't read the, um, the terms and conditions. And so her time gets, like, made even shorter. Oh, jeez. Because she okay, tried well, to, like, out-trick it. I'm definitely going to watch this movie. <laughs> that, okay. Don't expect say, it to be good. Yeah, you say it's not good. That's fine. I watched some clunkers for this anyway. But I love that idea. I love yeah. that idea. And that definitely, like, ties in a lot of other concepts, like, new things that we haven't talked about yet in terms of commentary on society like just because everybody else is doing it are you going to do it too like is everyone just going to be doing this fad game is everyone going to be doing this fad internet thing um that is interesting to me because i'm not really someone who does 
the fad stuff. So I don't know, maybe I'm being a little self-righteous here, but I find it kind of an interesting discussion of like, you don't always need to be downloading the countdown app and seeing when you're going to die. Like, you don't need to. Well, with that, should we get into some movies that feature deadly games? Absolutely. Okay. Well, one I feel like that I mention all the time on this podcast is Cube. I feel like it comes up like every other episode. It's very important. It's an important film. (laughs) And for people who don't know, this is like a a Canadian like indie (laughs) horror movie. Um, And it's this group of people. Well, they don't even know they're a group of people because they all wake up like in their separate cubes within Mm -hmm. the cube. The cubes and within the cube, yes. The cubes within the cube. And the eternal cube. Some of the cubes have these like deadly traps. And so you can't just like freely move throughout them because you have to figure out which ones have deadly traps or not. Um, and they utilize that like effect that we all loved in the 2000s, which is that like laser cutting people <laughs> slash like boat wire slash sliding glass door (laughs) like we loved like quickly cutting people into pieces we loved to see a clean cross section of a human body we loved it we loved it (laughs) like i watched 13 ghosts i'm like a sliding glass door would not do that no (laughs) no although a wire like the wire and ghost ship probably would yeah yikes we loved it resident evil like we just love it we oh, yes. love it we do millennials we love it <laughs> you want to make a millennial happy <laughs> show them a clean <laughs> just slice that body in half <laughs> i want to see the lungs i want to see the intestines but i just want to see like little meat cubes and then i want the sound of it falling down like <laughs> yes the plopping as it like slides you know when the head yes. just kind of like slides off. yeah it has to be intact for a moment <laughs> for a hot and then second. and then like blood yes and then it has to fall down. like kill bill yes <laughs> oh god <laughs> sorry i know we spend so much time being like horror is actually a very academic and wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> sorry <laughs> And now we're like, I want my meaty plops. I want my <laughs> I need my meaty plops. Luckily, we are given that. You know, we are satisfied. Uh, do you have anything else to say about Cube? Other no. than like, a girl has to figure. Yeah. And then they find it's out that. It's a very that... good movie. It is good. And it's like a very good, like, closed space, like, single group. People start turning on each other. No yeah. one knows why they're there. Certain people figure out um like the code and like what makes mm-hmm. rooms safe and not safe um and it's yeah. a whole thing but cube does a lot of things extremely well it does that closer mystery well it does the puzzle solving well the um the group dynamic shifting really really well all of the kind of like pillars of like the archetypes of characters it's got them all and it's it's really well executed I think there is a thing that pops up in Cube that is a recurring theme throughout some of these movies and books, which is when certain people are put into these situations, um, they discover things about themselves and they come more fully into themselves and in a way reach a full potential, which that's kind of what 
I think Saw is the concept of that is in Saw. He's Jigsaw is trying to like push the people that he puts in those right. situations Eyes to. Roll. I'm so- <laughs> I hate Saw. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> he's we'll trying. Yeah, we will. He's trying to get people to reach their full potential, and I think that like we'll talk about whether that works in Saw or not. But in Cube, we see it happen for certain characters, and it doesn't always work out that that character then is saved or saves themselves, but they do um, unlock things within themselves as they're trying to survive this horrific experience. Okay. So the next one I have on this list is ready or not, which is hide and seek, right? Yeah. Classic. Absolutely. (laughs) Except you will die. Yeah, so with this one, we have Grace, who is marrying into um, this very wealthy, like, board game dynasty family, and they have, like, a tradition where, like, oh, uh, at midnight after the wedding, you have to, like, spin a thing and choose a game, and we all have to play the game. It's like, everyone that marries into the family has to do this, mm-hmm. and she lands on hide and seek, which I guess is the one that you don't you don't want to land on that one. Mm, the only one. So, um, yeah, it becomes a game where she is hiding and the entire family is hunting her down and trying to kill her. And this movie has several of those concepts that we talked about earlier wrapped in to one. So it has the um, the inequity. It's got the rich family and someone who is not rich. And then it also has the idea of... Um, doing something to stave off something else. I don't want to yeah. do spoilers. Yeah. Um, so that it's interesting that we've got multiple levels. It ties in the idea of selling kind of like selling your soul to something. That's a classic American yeah. trope of like sell your soul to the devil for X, Y, and Z. And then in a way they've kind of, the family has kind of trapped themselves in this eternal game. Um, but if you want to just see an awesome final girl oh, ripping yeah. through some shit, like Ready or Not is such a good movie. It's really funny, too. It is really funny. Samara Weaving is one of our greatest, like, mm. scream queens of this decade. Great. Like, I think she's ruling the 2020s. Amen. I agree. Maybe that was 2019. I said that, like, very confidently. Well, it all, <laughs> it all kind blends of in. blends in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely of this era. Yes. And yeah, she is so funny and so resourceful. Um, I always laugh in the movie where it's like the one brother-in-law who's like watching a YouTube tutorial on how to use a crossbow because like that's the <laughs> weapon he got. And I'm yes. like, that would be me being like, how am I supposed to use right? this? It's like, oh, this one's cool. I'll pick this one this time. And then you're like, wait, I this I is complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's not like in Battle Royale where like the kids just like pick that up and like the one kid like figures it out. I'm like, okay, I guess. I was going to say, I watched Battle Royale um, again this week for the episode. And there were so many parts about that that I forgot that um, they all have to pick their packs like mm. at random and some people just get crappy weapons some people have like Ooh, a taser yeah. and someone has like a machine gun like it is oh. so uneven not fair <laughs> but that's another one where there's a big dispute over like who wants to place their bets on being the final one over versus who wants to like try to overthrow this system like there's many times where people are like hey like mm-hmm. we're on the walkie talkies we're at this side like we're gonna try to have a meeting and they get ambushed by people who are like, no, I'm just going to take you down. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's an inter- That's a, a good thing to point out. It's been a while since I watched and read Battle Royale. Yeah. I think it was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I really need to rewatch. I'd like to reread too, but it's a thick one. So I'll have to plan that out a little bit more carefully. But it was I had so much fun with those with the book and the movie. I and did too. Yeah. Yeah. I want to rewatch it really badly. And I will say for listeners who haven't read it and are intimidated by the size, I also am someone who is very intimidated by giant books. It is a fast, yeah, fast read. And I went into it wondering, like, how am I possibly going to keep track of 40 characters? And you just do. Like, yeah. you just know who these people are. And there's a running counter. <laughs> like, yes. at the end of every chapter, it's like, well, two girls down this chapter. Well, mm-hmm. five boys down this chapter. Bam, bam, That's bam. That's helpful. Very yeah. helpful. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's pretty bloody. I was, like, joking about it to you the other day. But I'm like, I love that people get into the situation and suddenly they're, like, cornering people and making, like, villainous monologues. I'm like, yes! I guess that's just how you become in this situation. Yeah, absolutely. It just comes over you. You're like, I know what I have to do. And it's, I have to get my vill- villainous monologue ready. You're, like, practicing. This is my moment, actually. This is yeah. my time to shine. My one moment. <laughs> but another thing that was interesting is like, yeah, in there, it's a it's a 10th grade class that was picked for this like government program. And there can essentially only be one survivor after like a, a certain time period. They're on this deserted island um, and they're being monitored. And I've always enjoyed the video that they play them to prep with like the perky girl who's like walking them through mm. like, okay, so now you're going to want to like get your packs. Da, 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 da. Oh, We're excited no. guys, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and oh. just the absolute horror that's on these kids faces. And like, there's been kids that have already been murdered in front of them to yeah. show where they're like, okay, like the collars you have on will kill you if you don't listen to us. Watch yeah. this. Damn. Mm-hmm. We're not lying. <laughs> yeah. I think that is a really good point, a good thing to point out. I think Hunger Games does it a little bit too. And I know these mm-hmm. two properties have been compared quite a lot. Yeah. When Hunger Games came out, there was a bit of an uproar um, concerning the plot being too close to Battle Royale. And I'm not going to get into that. But no, there's no time. No, no, no. But one of the things that both both Hunger Games and Battle Royale do are the uh, the juxtaposition between the abject horror of what's going on these children and well in hunger games case it's it's people of all ages at some point but um people being murdered in really horrific ways by each other versus the glitz and glam the cheer the like everyday life like and and even a mundane existence like those juxtapositions are what created even more horror in my opinion because it makes the murdering and the gore so much worse and it's terrifying it's just it's depraved it's on the depraved scale basically i really liked the hunger games i was really surprised when i read it in college in how much there was to go into it i mean we could go into a lot of it and Mm -hmm. how like to survive they have to play into the reality television aspect of it they have to like appeal to making a storyline they can't even just focus on their survival like they have to be likable on top of everything else (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love the hunger games (laughs) i I have not rewatched it or reread it um yeah Mm -hmm. but i just remember really enjoying it another one that's a rough watch for me is would you rather (laughs) oh yeah no (laughs) 
<laughs> I watched it with the a Patreon group one night, and it's it's like a good movie, but I was just uncomfortable the whole time. It's not a movie where you're like ever relaxed. There's not a moment of ease. No. And you're following Brittany Snow, which also I think Brittany Snow does not get enough credit for like all the horror work she's done. Yes. All the work she's put into the horror genre. She is good in these roles too. Mm -hmm. But she like takes this opportunity, like she chooses to be involved. She gets an invitation to potentially make a lot of money um, to help someone close to her. And she takes this invitation, goes to this dinner party. Where they play, guess what? Would you rather? And it's always like <laughs> these horrific things. Like, would you rather like stick a razor blade in your eye? Ugh. Or like, I don't even remember any of the things because I have completely blocked <laughs> this movie out. <laughs> the razor blade in the eye. That I'm just was thinking it. of the That's poster. I'm just like, I, think, I, I see the poster and I am like traumatized. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I have seen this one in clips, like bits and pieces. It's a favorite of my sister's. Really? Yes. My sister loves these, this particular style. So does my brother-in-law. Yeah, I'm like, all right, guys. (laughs) I'm like, I like talking about it. I like having seen it and like having a discussion. But while I'm watching it, I am just like, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's rough. And so I have not seen it all the way through, but I have seen chunks of it and I know how it ends. And it is it's an appealing story. Like it it feels like a very tight story. The motivation is perfect and, you know, airtight. But I don't think I can watch it all the way through. I feel like I just can't enjoy. I would be like you. I'd be like very on edge all the time. Whew. Yeah. I'm just like, Brittany Snow, you're doing great. I'm just yeah. Like, I <laughs> Keep going, girl. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, one that I watched that I was very surprised by how much I actually liked it was The Hunt, which came yeah, out a okay. few years ago. And it when it came out, people kind of like exploded because the way it was presented was that East Coast elite liberals were abducting salt of the earth conservative Americans and basically doing like a most dangerous game kind of situation with them. They would let them go on this expansive property and then hunt them. And so that's pretty much all that people knew about this movie. And it got blowback from like every corner of everywhere like people were pissed off about this movie for every reason and so I didn't watch it when it came out because even though the cast is amazing like the cast is extremely good I was like I don't know people are all up in arms I'd probably just skip this one but then one of my best friends watched it and she was like oh it is extremely entertaining you should definitely check it out so I made a point to watch it for this episode and it is extremely entertaining and everyone should check it out. It is really fun. It's not nearly as cut and dry as the way it was presented. Okay. Um, yeah. I figured there had to be something like that. where it... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also pretty campy. So even if it were just straight up, you know, elite liberals are abducting salt of the earth conservatives and murdering them, it was extremely campy. So it was still kind of like, in my opinion, fun, even though that might be a little touchy. Um, but it was way more complicated in in those terms. It was not as clear cut. And um, the people who are like the bad people are really like the bad people. Like you do not like them. And the people yeah. that are, you know, our final girl who, oh, I'm, com- I'm completely forgetting her Betty name. Betty Gilpin? Yes, Betty Glow. Gilpin. I loved her Yes. Glow. Oh, and she's amazing in this. And she is an incredible final girl. And I feel bad that 
she is not getting her time to shine as a final girl because folks were kind of turned off by the concept of this movie. Um, so I will just say folks should check it out. Yeah, you should watch it. Um, it is definitely like hunting humans, like playing, toying with humans because they think that they hold a moral superior ground to certain people and there's a lot of good commentary in it as well it's just it's Mm -hmm. not too heavy-handed and i i thought it was fun i'll have to check that out i watched um escape room and its sequel escape room tournament of champions Mm. for this episode (laughs) and i had so much fun i can't wait to watch the they're very pg-13 like that if you're looking for people having to solve puzzles under duress um, and suffer gory deaths there's another franchise i can offer you later Um, but if you just want to watch people solve puzzles under duress (laughs) boy do i have the franchise for you perfect Um, yeah have you ever done an escape room Yes, and they're stressful to me. They are so stressful. So stressful. Yeah, I can't. I'm like the timer, the like having to collaborate sometimes with people you don't know. And then also because I am me, I always feel like I am not pulling my weight in the escape room and I'm not solving enough puzzles. And I'm like, they should just leave me to die because I'm not worthy of escaping. (laughs) So I don't know how I feel about them. (laughs) Uh. So it's these random people that get this, or seemingly random, get um, this invitation to participate in this very exclusive escape room. And the winner of the escape room gets like, if they can, well, if they can beat the escape room, they get like $10,000. And it's really entertaining. There's like, the main girl is like, she's studying like math at university so she's like very smart um you have like more of like a blue collar guy you have like a truck driver you have like um a veteran you have like a corporate guy and then one guy who's just like really into escape rooms and like reviews them and is all like it's okay guys like it's a part of the thing this is actually very interactive wow how are they doing (laughs) i kind of love that character (laughs) it's really funny and even as they like get out of the first room he's like wow how did they do that i'm like guy like you still don't (laughs) yeah he's still really just thinking about it one way he's he's not really opening his eyes very very wide here they couldn't be killing us (laughs) no no surely not this is for fun (laughs) um but as the movie goes on you realize like oh they all kind of like have something in common and they were lumped together in this group and put Mm. into these very elaborate um escape rooms but the design of them is so fun just like the set design and everything and the things they have to figure out and the puzzles are very interesting and that's like what i was looking forward to so like that's what you want the focus to be on yeah if you want like people like drown and like fall like you're not seeing like (laughs) yeah we're not getting our clean mid sections you're not getting your meaty plops no. no we're not getting meaty plops in this one so this is not for this is this is for gen z <laughs> yeah this is like if you want to take your teen daughter and like perfect you know perfect yeah. rent a movie together um but the sequel and okay a recurring theme in this one is like oh like we're just chilling here surprise it's an escape room <laughs> oh my god 
so the second one, it's like the main girl, and she's like, I'm gonna go like confront the people who did this to me. Ooh. And then like suddenly she's in a subway car and it's like tune tune, the subway stops. Uh-oh. And then someone in the car says, like, oh no, not this again. Oh so tournament of also- champions, Euros. Okay. Then there's a character who's like, what is this? Some kind of a kicks the subway car wall. <laughs> tournament of champions. <laughs> no! And I was like, title card drop. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so much fun. I, I have both of these like ready. I was going to watch them for the episode for, for this recording, but I did not get to it in time. Maybe that's what I'll do when we're done recording. I was for folks listening at home. I was telling Stephanie, I'm going to do my nails after this. So maybe that's I'll watch Escape Room while I do my nails because this sounds so much fun. Yeah. Parts of it are like a little dumb, but you just got to yeah, like go with it. You got to just yeah. like take that as a thing <laughs> yeah sometimes that is part of the joy it is part of the joy mm-hmm. so i guess just like know what you're getting into with this don't expect like hard r horror with this you're not gonna get it yeah. if you want like a fun thriller i had fun yeah mm-hmm. well i so i've got a couple i've got two interesting pairs of movies okay. that i explored for this so the first pair are the truth or dare films so these are not related to each other at all, but there was a film called Truth or Dare that came out in 2017 that was, I believe it was like a sci-fi made-for-TV movie, and it had um, the guy who plays Guillermo in What We Do in the Shadows oh, in it, yay. Harvey Gillen, I think. I'm not sure yeah. if I'm saying his last name right. And then Heather Langenkamp is in it as well. And then there was a movie that came out in 2018 with Lucy Hale in it called Truth or Dare. So people talk about these movies like as a pair. I watched the 2017 Truth or Dare when it hit streaming. So it was several years ago when I watched it. And I remember really liking it. I had a really fun time. Is that the Lucy Haleman? No, it's okay, that's the, the uh, Harvey. Heather. Yeah, Heather the Harvey Lane and Camp Heather. Okay. Mm-hmm. Harvey and Heather. So that one is a bunch of teens like break into an abandoned house and decide to play Truth or Dare. And it like unleashes some actually both these movies are extremely similar (laughs) it unleashes like a thing that haunts them and they have to figure out how to you know contain it and defeat it and get their lives back um then the lucy hale version they are on spring break of course spring break bitches you always know that that's a bad sign when someone's getting really excited for spring break um so they are in spring break in Mexico and they Lucy Hale in particular meets a charming attractive young man at the bar and he has a suggestion for the group hey do you guys want to go to this cool place I know about to keep drinking and they're like sure we're not idiots we'll go so they go it's an abandoned church it's like wrecked and they have some beers there and they're chilling and this charming stranger suggests that they play truth or dare and so they start playing truth or truth or dare and it gets a little mean spirited they start and these are like good friends right but then they start like picking at each other and they start Mm -hmm. revealing things that they shouldn't and then it turns out that basically kind of like it follows there is an entity that this charming stranger was possessed by and he passed it on to the new group by engaging in a game of truth or dare and so they have to it it gets increasingly dangerous but 
they have to play with the entity. It's a demon. They have to play truth or dare with the entity. The entity is telling it to do all of these horrible things. Sometimes they survive. Sometimes they don't. And they have to figure out how to defeat the demon. So the thing about the truth or dare movies, people, I've heard people say that the 2017, the Harvey and Heather truth or dare is not good. And that the Lucy Hale truth or dare is good. I have the opposite opinion because I thought that the Harvey and Heather truth or dare was fun and the Lucy Hale truth or dare was mean spirited and nasty. So it was like very reminiscent of teen movies that we teen horror movies that we grew up with, like us mid tier millennials, where people are very nasty to each other. There's a lot of misogyny. There's a lot of just like mean stuff that happens and it doesn't really redeem itself, which we were just like, let's bring that back. Everyone right. loved that. Yeah, we loved that. Yeah, let's bring it back. We were all so well adjusted and and like at peace with ourselves. <laughs> so I will say I did actually have fun watching it, but, but just maybe know that the producers made a deal with the demon and they had to pass that on. Well, I don't want to spoil the ending, but oh, okay, probably. <laughs> Probably. You might have hit something there. Um, But then the other like group of movies that I watched for this are the Ouija movies, which similar dynamic, although these movies are connected to each other. So there's Ouija that came out in 2014 and then Ouija colon Origin of Evil, which is a prequel. And I but I can't remember when that came out um, after the first movie. And Ouija, the original, the 2014 movie is not great. It's another like classic teen movie horror movie but it's pretty sterile the scares aren't really good it's kind of like tropey i i got a little bored watching it ouija origin of evil is extremely good it like takes place in the 70s and it is super fun yeah it it is a very good horror movie so both you know they're playing with a ouija board they unleash the demon and then they've got to do you know they got to do what they got to do um that's which in the I conjuring think universe fun. right i actually that's a really great question i don't know i don't know i threw that out there very like yeah it, i mean it has the feeling especially yeah. origin of evil yeah. has the feeling so that's why I'm thinking it. I, yeah i should i actually didn't rewatch origin of evil um so i will i should rewatch it just because it's good and maybe that will answer that question for me but i really enjoyed um you know when we're thinking about these two groups I I really enjoyed the Harvey and Heather Truth or Dare. I didn't super not enjoy the Lucy Hale Truth or Dare. So, you know, people could watch that if they like, you know, those styles of horror teen movies. And I really liked Origin of the Ouija Origin. Sounds good. Well, should we end this talking about uh, Saw? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah, let's talk about Saw. The Saw of it all. <laughs> the Saw of it all. I have only seen the first two and I was mm. like, you know what? I don't think I really need to put myself through this ringer, through this reverse bear trap um, <laughs> of a franchise. <laughs> I don't need to. You don't do want this. your, you don't want your jaw ripped off of your skull. <laughs> you don't want to dive into a pit of hypodermic I needles. I think the issue is that I did not see these when they came out. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. were not like, I think. Had I seen these in the theater, I would have been like mind blown. Like yes. I cannot believe it. Mic drop. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm watching these in the 2020s and seeing like <laughs> the green filter yes. that's on everything, the yes. glitchy like <laughs> effect that we all loved. We didn't. Oh my god. 
It was everywhere. Put that up there with the meaty plops, you know? Like yes. The- <laughs> These are the main tenets of millennial horror. 100. I think the, like, not even earnestness, but, like, the... I guess that's what it is mm-hmm. of this, like, no, this is why I'm doing it. I'm actually teaching you a lesson. You don't, <laughs> you're not grateful enough to survive. <laughs> Ooh, your jigsaw is so good. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> like, but it's like, it's so, it just made me so mad. I was just like, I cannot stand this. <laughs> I am appreciating your perspective on this because I definitely watched it when it was in theaters. I watched up into I think I watched the fourth one, but I was like dropping off and I don't really remember it very well. I definitely remember the first and second the most. I legitimately like the first saw. I think mm-hmm. it's inventive. It's really smart. It's interesting. Yeah. The twist is classic. Um mm-hmm. but it it does just get to a ridiculous point and and then it becomes like difficult to to like take it seriously <laughs> but i will say i feel like i had a unique experience with the saw movies because i went to the alma mater for college of one of the big producers of all of the saw movies like this and i forget his name but he's just a producer so it's fine <laughs> um but he was like the guy who saw saw he like <laughs> saw saw he's because you know saw was made as like that was a nice seesaw all the time <laughs> because saw was like that low bar- <laughs> oh the sunday afternoon giggles <laughs> but he basically discovered it it was a low budget film he took it and, and gave it wider distribution so he went to the college that I graduated from as well. So he would come back and give like presentations and talk about the process and talk about saw and we'd have screenings and stuff. And he was very invested in us. I went to film school. That wasn't clear. He was very invested in us as students and our ability. He was a cool guy. And he really, he asked many of us if we had scripts, like in all seriousness, he was like taking us very seriously. So he was a person who really believed in like the little guy because he had seen proven success in that regard. So that was really nice. And so I have that kind of like happy thought associated with. Yeah. With no, that, and that makes sense <laughs> that you have like a yeah. personal connection to it. Mm-hmm. I was watching the second one not that long ago and I guess spoilers for saw two, but Amanda <laughs> from the first one um, is one of the like people that's in this game. And I had forgotten who she was, but I clocked her immediately when she's like, it's okay, guys. We just have to follow the rules and play his mm-hmm. game. He's not trying to punish us. I'm like, mm-hmm. her, why do you not hurt her? <laughs> yeah, you got to question that woman. You need to question. I would probably end up having an aneurysm in that situation. I don't yeah. think even think I would be able to think clearly enough no. to get anything accomplished. No. So no redemption for me. No, that's fine. But I do think that's interesting. Um Taking Saw into consideration with what we've discussed, it is a situation where this essentially madman is kidnapping these people, forcing them to do this horrific thing as a form of redemption. And you can kind of track that to a lot of religious behavior as well, like flagellation and, you know, 
harming the flesh to cleanse it, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. I find that really interesting. And Saw also, once you get further along in the franchise, starts to have all this kind of hilarious commentary on the United States healthcare system and the inequities that that creates. I don't know how, because I never really, I did not get all the way through to the end. (laughs) (laughs) And I've not seen Spiral, but um, I don't know how you go from his solo crusade of trying to give these people an opportunity for his twisted idea of redemption into like, oh, we have a systemic issue that we have to fight through my twisted games. Like, I'm not really sure how. So if if people are like big Saw devotees and want to like give me some information about that, if you want to give me your takes, your opinions, I'd love to hear yeah. how this all coalesces. Send us the Saw think pieces. Yes. Oh, I would read every Saw yeah. think piece, even if it's just someone writing an extremely long comment on a social media post. I'll read it. I'd love it. Sounds good. I mean, I would be interested as well, but I'm always interested on takes on like movies or books that like Absolutely. I was not that interested in. Like, I love mm-hmm. hearing people talk about books that I was kind of like eh, about and hearing why they liked them. Me too. Yeah. Well, speaking of, should we get into the books? Yes, let's do the books. This episode is brought to you by Fangoria, the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979. Listeners can use code Books in the Freezer to get 20% off their order. That includes, of course, merchandise and first time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code Books in the Freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. All right, I am starting off with The Housemaids by Ian Robright. This is available on Kindle Unlimited. It is uh, extreme horror. So setting those expectations there. (laughs) Um, This is about a group of people who have signed up for what they think is like a big brother style reality show. Um, But when they are called to the patio for their first kind of challenge, they become aware that there are high stakes involved. And this is not just like a let's chill and let like certain personalities shine through and like having a good old time. I actually don't know. I've never seen Big Brother. I really don't know what the oh, my format of it is. Oh, my family loved Big Brother. We watched um, it all the time. But that being said, I don't really remember the format either. So forgettable. Forgettable. Um. So basically at the end of each like challenge, you know, certain people get like an advantage over like, you know, whatever team wins gets like a certain advantage over the other group. Um, and then at the end, like two people are voted to compete head to head in like a separate chamber and only one person comes out of that challenge. And that is like every day, like bottom two people Ooh. go battle it out. One person comes back. And then the person that uh, has died, we basically see why they were chosen for this show Ooh. play out on the screen. And like, no one here is innocent. We're all going to find out what you did when your time comes oh my god that's okay so i downloaded the housemates i started reading it i'm not very far in but pretty much immediately you are uncomfortable when you're reading this book um i'm very excited to keep reading it because that sounds super fun and it's it's also like very gory yeah. <laughs> it is uh... <laughs> 
it's an extreme horror novel, so place your expectations there. Um, when I was looking at the parentheses, it says this is like the fourth in the Damien verse. You do not have oh. to have read the other three. Interesting. Um, I don't know. Like we're following Damien, I think. So I don't know if he's just the main character who just like has the worst luck of guess. I know because I he's in say. like the escape room book. He's in oh, this no. book. I'm like this poor guy. Yikes! Well, he must be good at. I mean, if we're on book four, yeah. you know, he's probably like got some skills at yeah. this point. But anyway, yeah, like I feel bad for him. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. And there is a little bit of the like, yeah, like, who do I put alliances with? Like, who can I trust? Should we try to buck the system? Should we try to follow the rules? Like, why were we here? How did you get here? What are we all doing? Yeah, you know, like a little bit of that um, all into this. And also like, who was behind this? Who was watching mm. us? Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting when you start to see the strategy uh-huh. form, when you get to a point, any point in any game, you know, whether it's a game for your life or a game of cards, you get to a point where like, I have to start developing strategy. And I always find that interesting when we get to that point in things like saw or like housemates. Definitely. Uh, it's also where I'm weakest in games where I'm like strategy. Yeah, I'm like, I just want to pick the cool words. <laughs> I just want to put like my, my impressive word down and have people go, ooh. <laughs> well, uh, luckily you can have that. <laughs> quartz, baby. No. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? This is definitely a freezer book. Like, I would not give this to anybody. I would not suggest this for like a random library book club. You know, like it is not for everyone that being said it was a very quick read like i was very into this uh and i kind of want to read the escape room one now because i'm yeah. kind of like in this headspace yeah mm-hmm. it seems like um a fun series to actually get involved in um so that was the housemates by ian rob Wright. well my first pick would be appropriate i think for a book club or okay. to hand off to anybody. Um, it is Hide and Seeker by Daka Herman, which came out in 2020 from Scholastic. And it is a middle grade title. And I loved this book. I really, really enjoyed this book so much. Um, it's it's really at its core about community care and you know community support. And it's just like, I don't, it's scary. Okay, well, I'll get into it. So It follows a group of best friends. Um, They're all kind of like in middle school age, I think, which would make sense for the middle grade designation. But they're all marginalized kids. Most of them are black. Most of them are poor. Sometimes they don't have enough to eat. Some of them have incarcerated family members. Um, We specifically follow our main character, Justin, whose mom recently passed away, leaving just him and his big sister who's in college. And they have to figure out how to survive together. And that's just like... A horrible yet mundane everyday experience for a lot of people and it sucks and it's painful so we have that kind of group of kids and despite all of their challenges and the trauma that they face they are so there for each other you know they love each other their families take care of each other and you can tell that this is a strong community right so the story is from justin's perspective and i think like an interesting thing that's woven throughout the entire book is that Justin struggles with anxiety and panic attacks a lot. And most of this is from, it's related to his mother's death. So I think that like this book in particular, if you know, like an 11 year old who's going through some stuff, 
this is a wonderful book to give them if they like things that are a little spookier because it has that relatability. It has those lessons of how you can face these challenges in your life and find your strength and find strength in community. So that's like the overarching feelings that I get from this book. But what it's about is um, this crew. So we've got Justin, Naya, and Lyric, and their other best friend, Z, has just been returned home after having been abducted. And he was, yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's pretty heavy. (laughs) He's been missing for like a year. And um He's returned home now, but he's not okay. Like, he's not well. And you know that immediately. But these, all of his buds come over for, like, a welcome home party that his mom is, like, determined to throw. And it's so this core group of kids and then a few other kids from the neighborhood. And um, it's it's immediately weird. Like, the dynamic is weird. Z is not well. Some of the kids who are at this party, it's kind of confusing as to why they're there because they're not really that close friends with Z. And then this one kid named Shay shows up, and it's really weird that she's there. She's not even in their friend group. She's acting extremely strangely, and she suggests that they play Truth or Dare. Oh, sorry. Not Truth or Dare. Hide and Seek. (laughs) I'm still stuck on the Lucy Hale Truth or Dare. Okay. Um, Shay is not acting right, and she suggests that they play hide and seek and they don't really know what else to do because it's kind of awkward. So they decide to play hide and seek. And the way this book is written, there's so much like heft to things. There is a ritualistic kind of feeling going on throughout most of the book, which is nice, I think, for younger readers who kind of feel like there's a, a process that you go through to get through plot. But when they're about to play um, hide and seek, they kind of like huddle up to confirm the rules of hide and seek. And this is very important. You can't break the rules. If you break the rules, well, you'll find out what happens when they break the rules. But they they get together and I'm just going to read like a really quick excerpt from when they start playing. So this is all from Justin's perspective. We form a circle. I extend my arm. Lyric places his hand over mine. Then Naya adds hers. Quincy and Carla are next. Finally, Shay's hand slowly falls on top of the pile. A static shock zips up my arm. My eyes dart around the group. They've all, they all have strange looks on their faces, like they felt something too. Well, everyone except Shay, who stares at Z's house with an odd smile. So they play hide and seek, and as they start playing, they soon learn that they have basically entered into a bad faith pact with an evil entity oh. that feeds off the fears of children and uh, if you break the rules of this hide and seek once you've entered into this pact you get sucked into this entity's um, dimension which is a hell dimension (laughs) yes right it's a horrible party Um, so they all they get sucked into this dimension and they're constantly confronted with their fears because this is how the demon is like feeding off of them and they have to solve the, the way they have to figure out how to get out of this dimension but then they soon realize that the demon has captured hundreds of children and all of these children are in this dimension and if he reaches a certain amount of children the demon is going to be able to take over more dimensions so not only do they have to escape but they have to kill the demon so the whole thing it's like really really about confronting fears it's really about coming together as a group giving each other strength and courage and making sacrifices for the group and knowing you know what what you can do to solve a problem it's 
really beautiful. It has a lot of the elements that we talked about with this overarching theme of deadly games. And, uh, and I really, really liked it. And I really think that um, it's appropriate for all age levels. And honestly, it was pretty scary in some parts. Like, some of the things that these kids are afraid of, their deepest fears, like, it's serious stuff. Wow. It's not just, like, spiders. I mean, these are kids who are confronted with big adult things way earlier than they should be. Mm -hmm. So their fears are legit. And uh, so I would put this in the fridge for a middle grade title and and big recommend for this one. And that is Hide and Seeker by Daka Herman. Wow. I've not even heard of that one. It has a really fun cover. You might you might recognize the cover if you see it, because I think when it came out, the cover was kind of everywhere because it's a pretty fun one. All right. My next pick is The Odds by Jeff Strand. I think I got this also through Kindle Unlimited. Uh, mm-hmm. This is about we follow mm-hmm. a gambling addict and we are following him at the beginning of the novel. Um, he's away on a business trip and he's um, been at the casino and just suffered a big loss. And he's about to call us. He's he's like kind of walking around and psyching himself up to call his wife and tell her that he just lost a lot of money after like he has done this before oh no (laughs) and he has like a specific note uh that he was supposed to read to himself that's like hey this is you you just lost a lot of money you feel awful right now please you never want to feel this way again Mm -hmm. do not gamble Mm -hmm. and he still chose to do it so he's like um, in this situation, I think he's lost like $10,000, something along those lines. And, and so he's he's walking outside about to make the call and a man approaches him and is like, hey, uh, you seem like you're going through something. Like, what if I offer you the opportunity to win like $10,000 in a simple game and you have a 90% oh, no. chance of winning? <laughs> no. He's like <laughs> kind of skeptical about it, but the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you think I'm just like some scary guy? Like... <laughs> yes i do (laughs) well he like takes him to like an office building and you know it seems pretty like you know there's like a receptionist like it seems like a normal office building and he's like all right like here's the game so he picks a number between one and ten and if the guy guesses his number um he'll break his arm but if he doesn't guess his number he gets ten thousand dollars so 90 percent chance of winning Mm. i don't know (laughs) so yeah it's like would you take that chance would you (laughs) oh And so he has to, like, actually strap his arm into a thing. Oh, my God. (laughs) So he can't, like, back out. So he can't back out. And it does it, like, immediately, like, after if you lose. Like, it's just, like, it snaps your arm. Oh, my Lord. Uh, And so he does it. And, like, the first time he gets it, um, you know, they show him. They transfer the money to him. It shows up in his bank. He knows it's real. And he's like, okay, would you do it for an 80% chance? Would you do it for a 70% chance? Um, um, Uh -uh. and so he like he he finally gets to a point where he's like you know what like I made enough money um I'm just gonna go home to my wife and he's like all right like well don't worry about it but he should worry about it oh no that guy shows up and he's like oh we're not done oh we thought you were done you're not done actually classic and yeah just like the things he has him doing and he's like you actually have two minutes to like go here and do this this and this or this happens okay like it's me again you have to go do this (laughs) or (laughs) this happens and he's just in this hell cycle like he can't oh my god get out and yeah so it's just like him and he realizes like he gets somewhere and there's like other people who are in the same situation who he's like going up against um and it's just these like 
crazier and crazier scenarios until there's like one kind of big final like tournament of champions kind of, <laughs> kind of situation. <laughs> oh. oh my god. Um, but it was yeah, it was really fun and really fast paced. And Jeff Strand is kind of like a funny, like yes. he's a funny guy. Yeah. Um. So there's like a bit of that in here. Like the guy is very, the narrator is a bit sarcastic, but the situations themselves are not. No. Funny. <laughs> it's a horror novel. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um. So I would say yeah, this is kind of like freezer, uh, fridge freezer adjacent. So this is the odds by Jeff Strand. That sounds great. I like Jeff Strand a lot. I should read that one. All right. My next pick is Black Chalk by Christopher J. Yates, which came out in 2013 from Picador. And people, I've seen people kind of compare this to The Secret History by Donna Tartt. So it has kind of that dark academy sort of vibe. Um, It mostly takes place in England, Penn University, I believe, or Penn. I'm so, I'm sorry. I got, keep getting it confused because we have a pit here. Like, is it here? <laughs> I, I know. It kept, like, throwing me off. So I think, honestly, it's a school within Oxford. So okay. whatever. Just think that it's Oxford. Um, but I do have a, a quick aside before I really dig into the meat of Black Chalk. There is upstate New York representation in this book. You had to and, bring it, so. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's the bingo time. card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Longtime listeners have probably heard me on this podcast before and know that I usually mention upstate New York. And if you follow me on social media, you know that I talk about it a lot. I'm from there. I'm a stan. I, I love it. Um, and I will say I was so delighted and I was texting you, Stephanie, about this. I was so delighted that Alex mentioned Speedies on the Gerald's Game episode the food speedies it's an upstate new york regional classic and it is very good so if you have an opportunity to have speedies in your life absolutely take it they're delicious it's a delicious sandwich but uh anyway the representation in this book is bad so i don't know if uh christopher has ever been to upstate new york but i would disagree with some You're of the offended. characteristics <laughs> Is it like the Jim Carrey character like that needs to go to the Finger Lakes? <laughs> God, I wish. <laughs> I would pay good That's money for that. That's a deep like office reference for people. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, it is like there's a farmer, there's a farm situation, which like I grew up with a lot of friends who grew up on farms and I have spent time on farms. And so I was just like, I don't believe this as like a farm situation, but I always like to see the upstate New York mentioned whenever it's mentioned. That's fine. So getting into the actual book, the real reason we're here, not me talking about upstate New York. (laughs) It's about a group of six friends. I I use the word, the term friends loosely. It's a group of people. Some of them are very close friends. Some of them are just kind of brought in for this game um, that find themselves participating in a game of their own creation while they're at school. So It's kind of weird because the game, they create the game. The game does have cards and dice involved, but the readers are never told about the mechanics of that part of the game. They're not told about the rules. We don't actually know how this game is played. It's just kind of mentioned that there are these elements. The the real thing that is important about this game are the consequences if you lose rounds of the game. So each player gets tailor-made punishments 
created for them that are very specific to who they are as a person. And if you lose your round, you have to do one of these consequences. And they start very, you know, kind of playful, like they're mostly meant to humiliate you. So in the beginning, it's like wear a silly hat all day or wear the a shirt of the football team you hate the most you know just like light stuff that pretty much any of us would do no problem but then as they get further on in the game the consequences become way more intense they start to involve humiliating other people or causing physical harm or like serious damage to your future um and psychological harm as well and then in one case it turns fatal so that's kind of the game at the center of this book But the reason why these characters are kind of trapped in this game, and again, this is all their own doing. I have to tell you, the characters are not likable. These people are actually horrible people. And this whole thing is just like an exercise in hubris for them. But that's, it's fine. We like unlikable characters and it works for this game or for this book because the game does destroy them. So you're like, yeah, you deserved it. But um, (laughs) they get themselves into this situation where they align themselves with a shady group, like truly shady. Like we don't know anything about these people. We just know that they're called game soch, like game Mm. society. And they encounter them on like one of those, those days at school where you go and all the tables are lined up and you go see all the different like student groups and, and you figure out what you want to do for fun at school or whatever. They run into this game soch game soch convinces them to do this to do a game and they sponsor them but they're also monitoring them they're closely watching what they're doing they watch them play the game they watch them do the consequences and if anybody who's playing the game leaves the game in a way that is not allowed there are bigger consequences there's also money involved they all had to pitch in like a thousand dollars so whoever wins gets all this money so you know that motivation is very strong so this game goes on for way longer than anyone expected and the way this book is told is through kind of a diary format for one of the main characters who is extremely unreliable so you have like no idea Mm -hmm. really what's true you don't really know what's going on so it's (laughs) kind of like there's a lot of twists it's it's very thriller-esque um and i will say it is not that scary it is much more of a thriller than a horror book um but there are some really interesting elements at play so i would put it at room temperature um and that is black chalk by christopher yates Ooh. that sounds really interesting i had seen this one for a long time on hoopla like it's been on my favorites like oh i'm gonna read this someday list for years mm-hmm. um but i'm interested now that i know more about the story and it, it sounds very like psychological it is it It gets really interesting seeing, you know, some of the characters really have to, they're they're presented with situations where they have to compromise deeply held values Mm -hmm. and their own moral system. And what would you do? You know, Mm -hmm. what is the price to do that? And everybody's different when it comes to that. You know, some, some folks, they'll do it for, you know, a thousand bucks. They'll do something against a moral that maybe they had. Then you have to kind of question, like, was that really a value or a moral that you felt? Like, I don't know. (laughs) Um, And some people quit. You know, some people are like, over my dead body, like maybe literally, I would rather die. So it's kind of interesting. And I really liked the... um, that presence of game soch. It Mm -hmm. felt very men in black. It felt very like 
puppet mastery. Uh, so that was fun. That's very interesting. Okay. Um, my last pick is The Crimson Labyrinth by Yusuke Kishi. Uh, this was translated by Masami Isitani and Camellia Ni. I love the cover of that book. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. So this one starts off with a man who wakes up in a remote location. There's reddish canyons everywhere. Um, he has no idea how he got there. And he just has the way it's described. It seems like a Game Boy um, from like when we were younger. Like it just seems like there's kind of just like text Ooh. and like very simple graphics. And it essentially okay. lets him know that he's in a game. Um, he does find a woman not too far from him who like also has a Game Boy. And he's like, like what is going on? <laughs> so they end up working together. Um, she ends up like she runs away from him at first because, hello, she woke up in like a strange location. And there's yeah. like a man suddenly mm. running after her. Oh, <laughs> and she's you. like, um, I don't have context for this right now. And she drops her <laughs> Game Boy and breaks it and oh. later realizes like, oh, no, she really needed that because that tells you like. So she therefore like now has to stick with him because he has a Game Boy that's like, mm -hmm. you need to go to this checkpoint. We need to go here. Um, so it lets them know they need to go to a certain checkpoint. There they meet other players who have all just kind of been dropped uh, into this like game in the middle of like they have no one has any idea where they are. Um, the first thing immediately is they have to decide whether they want to go find food water weapons or information oh what would and, you pick well now i read this i think like oh. me <laughs> would be like oh food or like water because you you're gonna need water um they pick information and the guy the like little graphic is like this is the correct answer mm -hmm. this yeah. is what you should have chosen i think i would choose water but <laughs> in deep in my brain i know that information is the more correct yeah so they're the only ones the um that duo is the only ones uh, that go out looking for information. They find like another cartridge there that has like information. They have like extra batteries. And oh, what's really interesting is like he uh, is recently unhoused, um, pretty recently unemployed, but he was like a math major focusing on game theory. Oh, so they have interesting conversations about that because she's like talking to him about it. Um, and he's like, well, game theory is kind of impossible because it's just kind of like this mathematical statistic and games mm -hmm. always have a human element, which can be yes. chaotic. Like you can't, yes. you can't account for how people are going to react. So it's kind of like, you can only mm. do so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, essentially. So like on their way there, it's telling them like, okay, the people you need to watch out for are the people that went for the weapons. That is like the most dangerous group. That is your number mm -hmm. one enemy yes. <laughs> right now is whoever went out to go get weapons. And also when they go for information, they have a list of everything that was provided. So when they Ooh. go back and everyone's like, tell us what you found, they know who's lying and who's been like oh, withholding nice. stuff. <laughs> and he finds like a vintage choose your own adventure book. Um, I think called like mission to Mars or something. And it's the narrative of this story. <gasps> this book sounds so fun. Um, it was a little slow. Like I kind of like, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like in theory, like it is. And I like talking about it, but the process of reading it, I was like, this hmm. is very, very slow. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> the back is like, Oh, this like biting satire. And I'm like, maybe the translation was still said it's like that part oh, is not, not super not, <laughs> not coming through too hard <laughs> like maybe it's a cultural <laughs> difference but like that part yeah. did not translate to me 
Yeah, I could see that. Um, but there were parts of it that were very interesting and like a lot of a lot of stuff to think about. But um, the majority of it was just kind of like wilderness survival, like who can you trust in this situation, and like the the little Game Boys, and like you know you only have so many batteries, but like everything you need to know about the game is in these Game Boys. Ooh, so nice. That uh, does sound fun. It was like it was interesting. I'm glad I read it. Um, and it seems like that's the only title he's had translated into English. I think he's pretty prolific in Japan oh. as a horror writer, but it seems like that's the only one. Well, I hope we get more eventually. Maybe, yeah. yeah, I really like Japanese horror, so the I more do the better. too. I would put it like fridge, maybe high room temperature. It was not. Mm. Yeah, that's The Crimson Labyrinth by Yusuke Kishi. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's on my TBR and I'm definitely going to pick it up. So my last pick is Ghost Games by Brooke McKenzie, which came out last year, 2022. And I believe this is self-published. Okay. I didn't dig too hard, but it does. It did look like it was self-published to me. But you can get it on Amazon, um, both Kindle or like a hard you know, paperback if you want. So this is a short story collection, and each story is based on a specific game. And some of the games sound you know they're classic games like there's there's a a ouija board story there's a hide and seek story bloody mary and then some of them i didn't recognize so maybe some maybe they are established games that i was just never introduced to and other people might know them so i'm just going to read the table of contents these are the the games that there are stories on so there's the elevator game the three kings game the closet game which the closet game is one of my favorite stories in this collection Bloody Mary, the telephone game, the bathtub game, the hide and seek game, and the Ouija board game. So those are all the stories and the games. And it was a really fun collection that felt, it felt really nostalgic to me reading it. So not all of the characters are teenagers, but they all feel more youthful. And that gave this entire collection kind of a Fear Street vibe for me. That was kind of what I was getting. So if you want something that feels like that and you want it in like a short digestible sort of package with short story collections, it's always nice. You can just pick it up and read a story here or there. Um, Something that I thought was really fun that popped up in a lot of these stories was that um, there's this modern urban legend sensibility Mm -hmm. to a lot of the stories. So it felt very um, creepypasta, very message boardy, like a lot Mm -hmm. of these stories start with the main character reading about the game online or watching videos of people playing the game on YouTube, or maybe they hear about the game from a friend who found it online. So the internet plays a big role in this collection. And it just kind of reminded me of um, back in the day when email was more fresh and, you know, I'm like a 10 year old with an Earthlink account. (laughs) And... What would be and I, I know, and I would get you know those chain emails that were like, if you don't send this to twelve people, this demon woman is gonna show up in your room with red eyes and rip you to shreds. And like, I kind of miss that. I wish we still had those demonic chain emails. You have countdown being sent apps to us. now, right? I guess that's the new version. Yeah, we get the countdown app. Well, that's exciting. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to see when I'm going to (laughs) die. And at least with the chain mail, I know I'm the reason, like I did it to myself because I didn't forward it. It's the illusion of of control. Exactly. Yes. 
but I it had that vibe, right? Mm-hmm. And that was really fun. Um, that being said, not all of these were super scary, but some of them had moments that really did freak me out. So mm-hmm. I would put this kind of fridge or, you know, cooler room temp, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is Ghost Games by Brooke McKenzie. That sounds really interesting. I did not want to go through this episode and not mention Hide by Kirsten White. That was like hmm. almost a pick for me. I read Same. that last Same. year, two years ago. I don't remember. But that also has like a, it's hide and seek in an abandoned amusement park. And there's some sinister stuff going on. And it definitely falls into one of the categories we talked about yes. uh, earlier. Actually, multiple because mm-hmm. we have like yeah. a, a class thing going on. We've got a larger narrative folklore (laughs) going on so we have that there was also reprieve by james hon matson which is about Mm -hmm. an escape room have you read that one no i know that there's the escape room element but because i haven't read it (laughs) yeah i was gonna say based on the summary like it doesn't seem like they even get to the escape room yeah (laughs) oh they do get to the escape room and someone dies in the escape room and you're kind of like going back um in time and kind of following the people that end up in the escape room it's a Mm. lot more character focused and the escape room itself is like a very 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 small part of it so (laughs) that's why i didn't pick it as one of my picks because because i'm like if you're looking for that um you won't be disappointed if you are looking for like a deep character study that's a great one yeah that sounds good Ooh, when you said the elevator game it reminded me Mm -hmm. of i'm obsessed with that like six stories series that british like thriller series that sounds familiar where it's the guy that has the the podcast and each episode is like kind of like a pod like um a podcast series oh cool hydra Okay. So it's the second one in the six stories series. And they're written as like a podcast transcript. Essentially, it's like a true crime podcaster who like picks a like true crime thing. And then he does um, episodes interviewing different people who were connected to this crime and then kind of getting like a final reveal. Oh, that Um, sounds fun. At the end. And this one's about a girl from a small mining town in England who murdered her parents and sister with a hammer. She was sentenced to life at a mental health facility. But it had an element of like satanic panic. And like right before she did that, she went on vacation with her parents and played this like elevator game. And like, what was that? What did she invite? Like, who was there? What is the elevator game? And like Ooh, she also listened to like metal and like dark emo music. Like, uh oh, yeah, it's guess good. we're in trouble. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> oh, my. I wonder if the elevator game. I wonder if there is a standardized elevator game. I'll have to watch. I'll have to check that out and and compare it. Wasn't that in the Midnight Club? No, I don't think so. No, not the elevator game. I'm thinking of something where they do play the elevator game. I know I just saw something recently. It must have been an episode of a show. Yeah. Evil. I think it was Evil. The Ooh, Paramount Evil's Plus fun. show. Mm-hmm. Where they did. They did the elevator game. So there is like a certain way. I'll have to see to if it's. It. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that it is similar to the one in the short story collection I read. Because why would you call it the elevator game? <laughs> if, if it wasn't connected. But I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. I also started The Long Walk by Stephen King. But I did not finish it uh, in time for this yeah. episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like the long walk, but I listened to that one on audio and I think that that helped me mm-hmm. get through it. It is a little slower. Yeah. I think that also has a lot of like, okay, I need to beat these like 99 boys. I'm literally betting on myself yeah. against these like 99 other boys. And also Stephen King is so good at like 
physical descriptions, just like my yes. legs hurt and my yes. feet hurt listening to this book. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I'm like, I no, am a, tired. It is a very good one. Like, definitely recommend it. A book that I was considering reading for this um, is Stags by M.A. Bennett. And it's the first book in a YA series that is um it also takes place in like a private school and these teens go to someone's like i believe it's like somebody's estate in the country and it's like a a blood sport game you know like people are hunting each other and again it's a commentary on class which makes a lot of sense especially in in britain um but what i thought was interesting and why i didn't actually pick this one was that it is the first of five books oh wow and yeah so i think that would be really fun for you know if you want to you want a series to dig into um this might be a fun one but i did not want to start a five book series and then just let it linger (laughs) so i did not start it but um it did seem like i mean it fit into our deadly games theme perfectly and it did seem like it was a lot of fun oh i haven't even heard of that I know I hadn't heard of it either Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm in the mood for some shenanigans and private schools oh yeah oh yeah this episode is brought to you by Libro FM Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore you can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, Check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer. You get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. Well, Jocelyn, do you have a final girl song for us this week? Okay. I always struggle with the final girl song. And I feel like I was, now I feel in my head about it because um, Alex and Sarah had such good ones. (laughs) Their final girl songs were so fun. Um, I have done multiple final girl songs. Most of them are similar in that the vibe is murdering people and i was like do something different this time do something different have a different take on it no i don't i have another murder song um it's a brand (laughs) yeah yeah it is um so my final girl song for this episode is in flux by after the burial which after the burial is one of my favorite bands they're metalcore so you know got that vibe going and um if people are curious about the tone of this song I reached a very big weightlifting milestone for me in deadlift. I deadlifted a very big number that I'm very proud of that I've been working towards. And the reason I was able to do that is because this song floods me with adrenaline and gives me super strength. 
So that's the vibe. It's a berserker song. It will just like, you know, it'll give you the power to take down your enemies when they're coming for you, especially in a deadly blood sport game. It'll give you that last bit of adrenaline to fight them off. Absolutely. Yeah. You will be slicing them and giving clean cuts. Meaty plots. (laughs) You will be serving some meaty plots. Yeah. It's so gross. I love it. (laughs) Merch idea. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No one will know what that means. It's just like disgusting. It just sounds disgusting. (laughs) Oh. All right, I love that. I will definitely have to add that to the list. We could always use more metalcore. Good, good. I'm it's such an eclectic like. I know it really is. The list is bonkers. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have some chilling obsessions? Absolutely. Do you want to go first, or would you like sure, me to go first? I, can go. I have two. Um, the first one, because I don't think it'll have broad appeal. It is a movie I saw on Shutter. Um, and it had like middling to low reviews and I was like Ooh. five stars this one was made <laughs> for me and I guess only me mm. um, but it's called Midnight Swim it's a found footage movie that's about these sisters who are again adult siblings coming together mm. after like the death of a parent to like mm. grieve I'm like yes there I'm we there. are. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the sisters is like documenting everything through um she's like recording everything and their mother had drowned herself she was like a very complicated person she had a very complicated relationship with all of them they all have like different baggage from dealing with their mom and like kind of coming together and talking about it and she lived on the lake and she like loved this lake and advocated for it politically like it was a very big part of her life and they're like well that makes sense that that's how she would go that she would just like give herself to the lake yeah um But then as they're there, they keep talking about this, like, urban legend where there was, like, these sisters that, like, were never allowed to go anywhere. And they all just, like, drowned themselves one by one in this lake. And then, like, the one sister that's holding the camera, like, weird stuff starts happening to her camera. And then, like, when she's underwater, she thinks she hears, like, singing. Um, And so she's kind of like, what do we know about this legend? Like, where did it come from? (laughs) Um, I'll say it's a very light on the horror and very heavy on, like dialogue sister relationships grief so i think maybe because it was on shutter people had like certain expectations but if you're looking for like a a virgin suicides like everything you're saying is making me want to watch this i this sounds also like it was made for me because i love virgin suicides i'm i'm also obsessed with lakes like my grandma lived on a lake so i spent a lot of time on lakes and i get that i get the the connection to lakes yeah. and if i had to choose a way to go that wasn't just dying in my sleep it might be giving myself to the lake yeah, so it's like yeah it was very interesting and the um the daughter that has the the sister with the the camera does feel like a special connection to the lake and she's like how about you guys go and i just stay here I'm like i actually mm. feel a calling to like Ooh, yeah so ooh. it's a little more like ghostly and like oh i like just this. kind of like light spookiness throughout much more drama i'm gonna watch it yeah i'm gonna watch that for sure um my other one that i think will have broader appeal <laughs> um is poker face on peacock i watched it i had such a good time natasha Obsessed. leone is so fun and if you don't yes. know 
the premise for this is that essentially she's a human lie detector. In the first episode, it sets up that she um, like solves a murder at the Las Vegas hotel that she works at. Um, but in doing so, she because she does so, she is on the run. And so for the rest <laughs> of the episodes, she is just kind of like the episodes open up basically with the murder. So you, the viewer, know who did it and why. But you were just watching like, wait, how does Natasha Leone like come into this? And she's just like driving into town and somehow like <laughs> meets these people and is there when there's a murder. And like... I know she like attracts it. It's amazing. And um, the guest stars that pop up on oh, each stunning. episode are like, wait, what? Yep. It is incredible who is on this show. Yes. So they are kind of like self-contained mysteries. There is like the thread of like, oh, she's on the run. And there is like that thread where she's like, oh, no, I got to go now. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have had so much fun with it. Um, it was, uh, I don't know if it was written and directed or just directed by Ryan Johnson, but he's heavily involved. Heavily involved. One way, like, yeah. one way or the other. Yeah. yeah. No, I fully co-sign Poker Face. I also have been having a blast going through it. Um it's just such a it's so fun it's such a smart show it's very entertaining and um i do have to say i know people have been saying this online but i want to like fully support this take um my husband and i have been going through and watching columbo all of the oh, yeah, columbo it does episodes have those vibes. it is so columbo and i have been thirsting for a more modern update of Columbo. I love Columbo as is. I'm I'm a big fan, but I wanted more of that, you know? And then I started watching Poker Face and I was like, oh my God, this is Columbo. This is incredible. She's like doing it. And I, oh, I love it. It's so satisfying to me. One thing so. I will say that stresses me out in like the first couple episodes, she's like cornering the person that did it. And she's oh, like, so I definitely know that you did it. And here's how you did it Ugh. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, girl, like where, where's you're gonna backup? Die. Oh, you're going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one is Which there. Is, that's also like a Columbo <laughs> element. Like people do that in Columbo all the time and they do it before they get killed by the person that they're doing it to, you know, like that's how people die in Columbo and then Columbo has to come in and solve that murder. So Yeah big stress there mm -mm. i'm just like get out of there do this yeah. in a public forum do this right right <laughs> yes yeah you don't need to like corner this person in like no the freezer no the yes no. freezer is not a place for this conversation don't don't be she in doesn't a actually nice do room. anything in the walk-in freezer that was just like no. the first example i thought of <laughs> of like places i would not confront a murderer oh no but she is always going into like their offices yes. like their private offices and like spilling all the beans and you're like stop please stop protect yourself <laughs> especially because she's on the run she can't get traditional protection yeah. you know because she cannot be on the radar at all so yeah yeah not smart moves all the time but she's great. So what is yours? So I finally watched Chapel Wait, which is on Epics. And it came out, I don't even know when it came out, a bajillion years ago. I finally watched it. And I love it. I know that people say that it's slow, that it could have been less episodes, which, yeah, sure. But, like, I love the world. I love that time period. Adrian Brody is incredible. The whole cast is great. Um, so and I have a, I have a thing with that. So... When I was a kid, we had a copy of whatever Stephen King collection Jerusalem's Lot was in. 
And I thought that Jerusalem's Lot, the short story was Salem's Lot, the book. (laughs) And I was like really little. And these are like my mom's copies, right? Mm -hmm. And my mom has this whole story about how she read Salem's Lot when she was pregnant with me. And so that's why I am the way I am and blah, blah, blah. And so I have this like connection to Salem's Lot, the book. And I read that last year and really loved it. But when I was a little kid, I thought they were the same thing. So I started reading Jerusalem's Lot, the short story. And I was like, this is like old timey yeah. epistolary. Like I am bored. I'm also 10 and I am bored with this. So I just like discarded it. And then, and I never, I've never read it. I've never actually read the short story. Um, but then I heard about Chapel Wait and I at first didn't realize that it was an adaptation of Jerusalem's Lot. And I was like, oh, I love Adrian Brody. I love vampires. Like, great. Well, totally. I'm going to check this out. We're totally going to get into this. And then as I'm like watching it, I'm like, this actually is Jerusalem's lot and I like got all excited and and just got like really into it so I have like this additional connection and I just feel like these properties are weirdly special to me so I really enjoyed it um I think it's a really excellent period piece period horror piece and apparently it's been renewed for a second season which I actually am a little surprised because I didn't think that it got a whole lot of attention but I hope that that actually happens and I will definitely be there for season two hmm. I think I, you told me about the show I think I was trying to think like where yeah. did I hear about the show from it was you probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it sounds really interesting um wasn't there another big horror show on epics Anyway, like, I don't know. Yeah. Someone out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. And they're like, it's they're screaming. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Yes. Thank you for having me. I always have fun coming on it. It's always exciting to read in a theme and hunt for these books. It like, is, yeah. I'm a librarian. I really enjoy hunting for certain titles, finding recommendations for people. So this is just a really fun way to exercise that. Yeah. This takes like months of preparation. Like we talked it about does. we talked about this like in November. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but it's always a fun journey. I think so too. I'm glad you do too because it's always like homework. I'm always like, oh, do you want to come on the show? Here's all this homework. Thank you. <laughs> all right, well, game over. No. Um, I had to get it in one last time. <laughs> it's really good. I hope we won. <laughs> we'll get our $10,000 wired to our account yes. anytime now. Thank God. I really need it because I. You think you're in your attic, blood. but actually, boom, it's an escape room. <laughs> <over already>. No! <laughs> get out and the all the puzzles are word puzzles so i'm done (laughs) yeah well like the long every like five minutes you take like one of your floorboards is just gonna disappear oh you know what they're doing that without (laughs) the escape room element so (laughs) it's been an escape room all along Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on TikTok at Books in the Freezer, or you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. And if you would like to support the show, there are a few ways to do that. One of them is to become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. There is a one, three, and a $5 level. And you do have the option to do like a one-time annual payment uh, that I believe does give you like a 10% discount overall. 
but there are different things offered at every level going from early episode releases for all levels of Patreon supporters to group chats and movie nights and bonus episodes and getting to participate in episodes. So check that out if that sounds interesting to you. And another way to support the show is to leave a review on a site like Apple Podcasts. Uh, There is a new review. I was going to try to read the username, but it is just consonants, no vowels, which is making it a little difficult. But a five-star review that says, A cozy horror book podcast. Is it weird to call a podcast about horror books cozy? Maybe it's Stephanie's soothing voice. Thank you. Or the ambient theme music. But something about this show makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I just started listening and I love all the guests and the books they talk about, which of course I've all added to my ever-growing TBR pile. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much for those nice words. If you would like your five-star review read on the podcast, uh, just leave a small review on Apple Podcasts and I will read it at the end of the episode. And if you've already done that, Another great way to show your support for the podcast is to talk about it. Share the show on social media, tell a friend about it, participate in the Books in the Freezer reading challenge, anything like that. Word of mouth is huge for indie podcasts like this one. So thank you so much to all of you who take time to do that. Also, quick word on sponsor for the show, Fangoria. Voting is now open for the Chainsaw Awards, uh, which are voted on by fans in different categories in horror uh, for the movies that came out last year. So in the show notes, I will leave a link for voting for the Chainsaw Awards. So definitely be sure to do that if you were a horror fan, if you watched movies that came out last year, you know, we want to hear from you. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. Or on Instagram at That's What She Read. And that is That's with two A's. I will say on Instagram, I post almost exclusively to stories. And they are mostly non-horror things. Like, why did I decide that I wanted to watch all the Disney Channel original movies and rank them in a letterbox list? I don't know, but you can follow along on that journey on Instagram or Letterboxd. I'll see if I can remember to leave both links in the show notes for that. But as always, thank you so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 